what's poppin' and what the fuck is good. Welcome to episode 8 of Hella Perreo. My name is Victor D, a.k.a. Daniel, a.k.a. Damn Daniel, a.k.a. your Perreo plug. What the fuck is good? How you doing? How you feeling? And most importantly, how you living? What's poppin', everybody? This is, like I said once, and I'm going to say it again, episode 8 of Hella Perreo. We are slowly creeping up into the double digits. Yes, we are. And yeah, sorry, you guys, about the content being later than usual or later than I would like, but we are working at weekly content. It's a journey, it's a mission, and you know what? I'm in for it. So I'm trying my best to be as good as possible, as diligent as possible to weekly content. My goal really is to honestly do episodes every Wednesday, and it was a thing at the beginning for the first month. (laughs) And then, such is life, you already know how that goes, and slowly I just started to lose a little bit of momentum but we're back we are back and it's almost almost like we never left but anyways um yeah so for those of you that listened to last episode of hella perreo it was episode seven the hella perreo origin story and um like I said in that episode, Hella Perreo was a live radio show at the KSFS radio station on my college campus. Shout out San Francisco State University. Uh-huh. So um, I would ask this question to all of my guests. So now I'm asking you, when was the last time que tu perriaste? When was it? Where was it? And who was it with? Maybe more than one person. I don't know. I don't know your style. But yeah, think about it. Uh, While you think, I'm going to give you my answer. Uh, I think the last time that I... Que yo perrie, um, Well, I mean, we can do it on our own, right? Bad Bunny did say... Yo perreo sola. So I would say the last time was probably sometime this morning. Um, or if not, last night. Or maybe when I was waiting for my food to get done with the microwave. You know, when you reheat your food, sometimes you get a little happy because about what you're going to be eating. Or sometimes you might just be playing something in the background. No sé. I don't know what you do on your daily basis. But that's what I do. Yo perreo siempre. Always. There's always a beat in my head. Even at the red light. It might be a mental perreo, but it's a perreo nonetheless. Okay. So when was the last time that you did it? DM me, hit me up on Instagram at Hella Perreo. Just as it's spelled, go to the episode and go see how it's spelled. Ahí está, just for you. H-E-L-L-A-P-E-R-R-E-O. Ahí estuvo. So hit me up. Let me know when the last Perreo that you had was. Oh, but if we're talking about, you know, real, real flesh to flesh type Perreo, you know, in person, uh sadly to say i would think it was when i was on vacation because i haven't had very many eventful nights out recently this month and then all of last month i was on vacation for half of the month and then well almost half and then i got sick for the other part of the month so there has been no perreo action 
in those regards. But um, yeah, Puerto Rico was my last perreo and I'm due for another. Word on the street, though, is that um, Reggaeton Rave is coming back to the Bay Area. Not at their last location, which was Crybaby Oakland. Uh, but they are going to be in San Francisco at Temple, I want to say. Or is it the Grand? I don't know. But I think it's Temple. You'll have to go on their Instagram. Maybe I'll repost it. I think I already have, though. Either way, I want to go to Reggaeton Rave again. Again. So if any of you guys want to go, hit me up on Instagram. Let's pull up and have a good ass motherfucking time. But there is some tea that I do want to get down to the bottom of. And I know we're kind of ranting on a little bit of a tangent. But so hear me out, guys. <laughs> so reggaeton rave, like I did mention, was at Crybaby Oakland last time they were here. But this time they are in San Francisco at a different venue. I'm going to find out the information for us um where it is but they were last time at crybaby oakland and oak crybaby oakland in oakland duh and then this time they're at a new one but crybaby oakland is having their own reggaeton style rave on the same day as reggaeton rave in sf so i'm like what is the tea what is going on what is happening because last time that i went to reggaeton rave last year in march tambien creo yo it was pretty fucking lit and it was um uh, there was room for more people but it was pretty full relativamente you know i mean it was kind of a struggle if i wanted to get to the front so i would say it was a successful turnout so i don't know what is going on in these event venue streets but algo Digo yo. And I don't want to. I'm going to just leave it at that. I'm going to leave it at that. And I'm going to leave it at that. Because, yeah, I do want to go to Reggaeton Rave because I already know that they put on a good time. You know, they put on a good show. So why not keep the party going, I say? Um, But that's that on that. We will be out on these streets once again. Yes, we will. I've just really just been working on myself, doing my thing, trying to get back into the studio and be more consistent with this type of, you know, content creation y toda la madre. So, yeah. But, yeah, I'm I'm working on getting back into our schedule of things. Every Wednesday is the goal for an episode, but it might be a Thursday, might be a Friday. Let's get there when we get there. See you um, being that it is February, it is also Black History Month. We have only had one episode previous to this, so I haven't really been able to highlight that with you guys, but reggaeton is Black History. Don't you let these motherfucking white reggaeton artists have you fooled. Reggaeton is Black History. Quite honestly, just about all Latin music is pretty much Black History. So um, next time you're perreando, just know that we have perreo because black people put themselves in a position to create out of nothing. Thank you. So it is time for me to get something off my chest. So the Super Bowl just happened. And this is not necessarily Super Bowl related, I see. Pero, pero, more so towards sports fans and specifically sports fans that don't play sports. Okay. Um, now, it's fine. It is so fine to be a sports fanatic, to have a little, 
you know, loyalty to a team. Sure, that's great. That's fine. That's dandy. Pero donde yo draw the line, where I draw the motherfucking line, is when you bitches be like, we won, we lost, oh, we struggled, we, 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 we. Like, bro, shut up. You did not play. You sat your ass on the couch, on your chair. Maybe you were standing up playing beer pong. You were playing beer pong. Eso sí, eso sí. Te lo doy. But you didn't do shit. So let's cut the we out of it and just give it back to them. Okay? That's the pronoun we're using here. Them. They. They won. They lost. They struggled. All right? All right. Because it's just so annoying. Like, bro, how invested are you? We won? No. We? We, we? Like, you speak French now? Like, what the fuck? Ianton says, I just had to get it off my chest. It was weighing me down. I felt like I just can breathe a little better now. So, can you relate to me? Or are you one of those sports fans that feels a little dolido about it? Because, you know, it's just not giving. But, like I said, be a sports fan. Be loyal. Loyal to the soil. Como quieras. Whatever. But we cut that shit out. Especially if you don't play no motherfucking sports, okay? Okay, now feel free to check me if you ever hear me saying that. You probably won't. Now, if I do, though, it is if I'm around sports fanatics, but that never fucking happens like that either. So, you know, cut it. Just cut it, and we're going to cut it right there. <laughs> Let's get into the Cheesemess segment. It's been quite a minute since we have talked about the chisme and the word on the street, but we are back. Last time we did a chisme segment was in November, I believe, and we're back to it. Like I said, we're back in production mode, so I got chisme for y'all. So some of these are going to be from a little bit ago, but you know, we got some catching up to do. That's what we're doing. So, um... The Grammys did just happen this month, um, and there were a few nominations that people were upset about. You know, obviously, Jay-Z gave everybody the read that they deserved. But um, in Latin Urbano news, Tiny got snubbed by Carol G. Now, I do feel this statement. I really do. But what I will say is that Carol G definitely worked her ass off for uh, Mañana Será Bonito, which was the album that won. Um, but I gotta give it to Tiny and his Data album. After watching him in Puerto Rico, it was so dope. And he has really been archiving uh, the process and the making of this album. He went to Japan to look for inspiration there. And he's always been tied to like that type of like uh, anime and Japanese culture. So it's just been really interesting to see the production of it all. And then obviously to watch him in Puerto Rico and see all the artists that he brought out and see how much the crowd fucked with him. I don't know. There was just so much intentionality with that album that I truly feel like it deserved the win. Tiny has been at his game for so long. It is what he knows most. And I don't know. I think it would have been so dope to see that Tiny has an award under his belt for the first album that he's created. But, you know, better luck next time, my friend. I hope it does happen for you, for us, <laughs> for the fans. We're here for it. We're here for a win for Tiny. Um, Not to sound like a sports fan that I just read the fuck down earlier. But 
Um, in other news, Bad Bunny is currently on tour. He just started his tour this month or this week, I should say. And he started off in Utah. He sure did. And I think it's funny to get the Mormons out of the way real quick. Like, OK, girls, I'm gonna let y'all have your fun. Pero <laughs> I'm here for the ones que verdaderamente quieren el perreo, el bellaqueo. El motherfucking um, shots and shit. That's right. El motherfucking shots and shit. Um, so, yeah, I've seen some TikToks already. I've seen what people have been posting, and I just can't wait for my turn. I cannot wait for my turn because me and my cousin got some bomb-ass seats, and we're going to be out there. So, uh, yeah, people have been speculating on TikTok that he has an album coming uh, simply because a few little things that they see on the album cover, such as a space um, for, if you know, you know. I'm not going to go into the details of what the people are seeing on the album, but it's on there. There are little things on there that people are looking out for, Easter eggs, I guess, if you will. But um, but yeah, the thing that really gets me off guard is when I've seen different like Latino influencers talk about Oh, um, I see it in his hair. His hair says it all. Like, I can read the dates in his hair. And it's like, bitch, he got curly hair, bro. Not only that, not everyone's cell phone screen, cell phone service has the highest quality. So maybe you're seeing something that someone else isn't. And then you're over here screenshotting it y publicándolo a todos. And then now that's what we're seeing. So I don't know. I just think that sometimes we need to get off of our favorite artists nuts and let them fucking do what they want to do and let them create what they want to create. And I would not be opposed to bad bunny giving us a little bit of a break on his music because I believe that everybody needs a little bit of a recharge. I believe all of us need to feel missed at some point and let us get it when you, when we get it, you know, but if it's natural for him to come out with albums that quick, then dale, go ahead, go forward, homie, do your thing. Speaking of things, Drake has been all over the timelines for quite some time and it's finally dying down a little bit but because we're catching up Drake has been all over the place because of his dick video and it's just like interesting that he has shitty quality on his camera speaking of quality on cameras earlier because why is it so blurry bro how are you one of the biggest artists in the world and you're giving us this shitty quality on your phone like, how the fuck is the camera at the Bart Toll Plaza clearer than your dick video? And other people were saying, oh, okay, it's small, it's wango. And it's like, baby, do y'all not know dicks? Like, they get harder and usually bigger, you know? So, I don't know. I wasn't mad at it. I was not mad at it. But some were mad. Some were, you know, underwhelmed. But, um. Guess say yo, I think it was fine. <laughs> the quality was what I what I was mad about. Um, moving forward, Daddy Yankee has been preaching online. That's right, Daddy Yankee has been out here giving us the word on the reels, the sermon on the reels, shall we say? <laughs> He's been giving us a few sermon on his reels, and it's been kind of interesting. A little bit of you know. It's kind of refreshing to hear him speak. I won't lie. But did he have to give up his entire music career to follow Jesus? I don't know what God said to him, but did you have to do that? Like you couldn't do part time reggaeton, part time Christianity. I don't know. But 
it's just one of those things. Um, but yeah, he declared this. Um, he declared his faith to everyone on the live stream of his three-day concerts in Puerto Rico. And yeah, he fully retired. So we can uh, we can now say that Daddy Yankee is serving the Lord, serving the real father. Um, but it's kind of not that much of a news to me because listening to Bonita, his latest single, I could just tell. I could tell that something was different about him. I was like, this is not the DY we know. Um, so, yeah, you know, some things change for people. I also was doing some research for this episode, and Hector El Fader kind of predicted this. He, in a, in a way, said, you know, the next reggaeton artist that I could see doing such a thing as devoting themselves to the Lord would be Daddy Yankee. And it's funny because Hector El Fader is also religious and has also dedicated himself to being a follower of Jesus Christ and talking about Jesus and toda la cosa. So I don't know what church is Hector El Fader at because the way he found that out is crazy and <clears throat> I might need a blessing. But moving forward, people that definitely need blessings are the motherfuckers at the Oxygen Network who decided to get Yolanda Saldivar together and give us her side of the story. We don't need her side of the story. We don't. We don't. La Cultura does not care for her. <sighs> but yeah, she's supposed to be released soon on parole, which none of us want her out because we want Selena back. If you can't bring Selena back, don't come out of jail. But yeah, the um the docu-series or the show, I don't even know if it's a series. Um, I've seen little clips here, little clips there, and some on YouTube. Um, but it's called Selena and Yolanda, the secrets between them. So we shall see. If you guys have seen it, let me know what you guys think. It is a little spooky looking, but that's just maybe because Yolanda's a spooky looking ass bitch. I don't know. Um, speaking about spooky, it is election year this year, and I think that's pretty motherfucking scary. So let's keep that in mind. Let's do our research. I am quite honestly a little bit on the, well, what the fuck is the point kind of thing at this point? Because so much goes on, and then I'm just like, ugh, all these politicians are ass. But let's do our research. Let's try to be as involved as we can and take a breath. But in August, Baja Beach Fest is coming up, and they just released their lineup. Headlining is Raul Alejandro Peso Pluma and Fuerza Regida, along with special guest for night three is Cali Uchis. And my honest thoughts is basically how is it that two Mexican regional artists and groups um, are now taking over what used to be called a reggaeton festival. This year, I noticed that their branding did change a little bit and they started saying it's a reggaeton and Latin music festival, which at that point, just call it a Latin music festival because reggaeton is Latin music. Anyways, Fuerza Regida and Peso Pluma are two... Um, Mexican groups and artists and I don't know I just I just feel like just give us one not both 
don't take away all of the fucking perreo because what am I, how am I supposed to, I don't even want to envision the dancing. On the beach, I want to perrear on the beach. I don't want to be seeing motherfuckers kick sand up at me and, ugh, anyways. I don't even know if they'll be able to perform really because last year in October, Peso Pluma and Fuerza Regida both had received death threats that caused them to cancel their concerts in Tijuana by the cartels in Tijuana. So, like, it's just it's just giving weird. Like, why would you put these two people together at the same festival when you know that not even a year ago they were receiving death threats and had to cancel their shows? The cartels um, wrote for Peso Pluma um, a really, you know, a really intense note and it reads this goes to peso pluma refrain from presenting yourself on october 14th because it will be your last show due to your disrespect and loose tongue you show up and we are going to break you <sighs> y'all let me know what y'all think about that and that wraps up the chisme segment hit me up on instagram at hella perreo if you have any chisme that you want me to talk about on the show but yeah, I will be seeing you guys at Baja Beach Fest and hopefully at Dr- or Drake's. See, see what I'm saying? Drake is everywhere. At Bad Bunny's concert in March. <laughs> um, let's shout out some of the cities that have been holding us down. Number one, this episode is LA. What's up, LA? How y'all doing out there? And we got number two for San Francisco. So the Bay and LA. You guys, um, keep flip-flopping and i like that i like a little flip-flopping and uh honorable mention goes to el salvador what the fuck is good por allá el salvador quien esta escuchando este show um and who put you on to it if one of you guys sent this to your motherfucking cousin let me know let me know if your fucking tia has listened to this and if it's your fucking tío necesitas papeles okay <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding unless you got some billete for me this episode's theme is love and hate iconic reggaeton duos. This is going to be our first real series that we have on the podcast. And yeah, it might not be exactly back to back episodes of this series, but it'll be a bit of a scattered series. You can catch it whenever it drops again, but um, maybe very soon. However, um, the inspiration behind this series comes from Valentine's Day, actually. In the Mexican culture, we say El Dia del Amor y Amistad, which translates to the day of love and friendship. And because a lot of these reggaeton duos started out as a friendship, why not talk about it, right? And so I titled it Love and Hate because there's a little bit of drama sprinkled in there or a lot of drama in some cases. But um, there's some love and some hate that does go around, and we're going to get into it. So um, the first one is an iconic reggaeton duo that has been recognized as one of the most influential duos in the history of reggaeton, and that is Hector y Tito. At the beginning of their career, their duo had the nickname Los Bambinos, because they were both called Hector el Bambino y Tito el Bambino. But that soon changed after a few years of working together. 
Hector decided to kind of pick up a different persona and he started going by Hector El Fader. But we're going to get into that in a little bit. Now, uh, how do I feel about them personally is I have gained a greater appreciation for them throughout the research of this episode. Um, granted, I already did like them because a lot of their classics have kind of carried through my adolescence into, you know, who I am now. And I've put a lot of their music in some of my playlists and they just have some songs that I would definitely put in my own personal reggaeton hall of fame, you know? Now, besides them being all up in my iPod, these two definitely paved the way and were also inspiration for solo artists like Daddy Yankee, Don Omar, and Nicky Jam, as well as the emerging duos of the time like Joely Randy, for example. Now, whether it's for better or worse, but they also shaped a lot of the storylines that we hear about in some of our favorite reggaeton classics and diss tracks. If you're scratching your brain trying to remember who these names are and what songs they've done, it's really possible that you've heard some of their music at, I don't know, maybe a quinceañera when you were growing up, maybe in your auntie's car. I don't know a burnt CD that you came across in the family collection of CDs. But some of their more popular songs from back in the day that you probably remember hearing are Baila Morena, Felina, And Viana. Don't worry, I do have a playlist coming and I'll probably have most of those in there. Hector Delgado, also known as Hector El Fader, and Efraín Fines, also known as, you guessed it, Tito El Bambino are both from Carolina, Puerto Rico. And since they were teenagers, they individually dabbled in creating music that would be eventually categorized as urbano or basically música del barrio, the music that you hear out on the streets. And Héctor was part of a rap group called Masters of Funk alongside with Rey and Julio Voltio. And Tito recorded with local DJs and eventually made an appearance on The Noise Volume 5 which was a very famous uh, reggaeton series of mixtapes at the time. Hector y Tito formed a friendship thanks to two DJs, Chiclin and Estefano, and they soon formed a duo after Hector separated from Masters of Funk. Um, eventually, the duo met DJ Goldie, and they were signed to VI Music, which was a very well-known music label in Puerto Rico, and... They became a huge success. Uh, their first album was called Violencia Musical in 1998, and they really became the talk of the town. They were very popular around the island. Everyone knew their music. Their successful careers were really going off, and then they had some beef that split the two. They split because 
of opposing views on personal and business matters, and some things really got kind of offensive in many ways. Hector wanted to keep everything very street, very barrio, all about Puerto Rico and the Malianteo vibes that he really brought to his music. And Tito was trying to get a little bit more recognition outside of the island. He really was thinking big for reggaeton, and that was something that kind of brought some tension and started a rift between the two. Hector was also hella out of pocket to Tito and would kind of belittle him in different instances. Um, Hector shamed Tito a few times, and he would mention that his outfits were too feminine and not masculine enough, and he also teased him privately and publicly. Uh, privately, he would um, kind of tease him for going off into the dressing rooms and um, reading the Bible and praying and, you know, just getting his faith on. And Hector allegedly would uh, bring by different naked models and just try to tease him for what he was doing. And, and I don't know, but that's kind of cringe if I think about it. Like your friend is trying to really keep their faith and you're over here trying to create tension for you two and try to be the big macho guy i don't know it just wasn't really um it, it didn't seem like they were both on the same page um at that point and there was also a time where hector publicly teased tito for how he was dancing on stage on a show um in a show and he called him la bebe basically insinuating that you know he's being kind of feminine and, you know, not masculine enough once again. So all of this, you know, I'm sure was piling on top of Tito and uh, their friendship and their relationship as a reggaeton duo started to fizzle out. And fast forwarding to 2008, Hector decided to turn the tables on everyone and retired from making music and ironically decided to follow his faith in Jesus Christ. <sighs> a lot of Jesus talk this episode so far, and yeah, I don't know. I, I feel a little torn because it's like, you did all of that for what? But, you know, he's a changed man, Segun, and we are no longer going to have any more Hector El Fadel music. <laughs> Sometimes I do think about it, and I'm like, dude, how fire would it be to have his his music back and to see what he would create nowadays? But um, but yeah, so that's a little bit on Hector y Tito, one of the iconic reggaeton duos that really influenced the genre. Uh, like I said, they definitely shaped a lot of the storylines that we hear about in some of our favorite reggaeton classics. And Hector El Fader also had this big rivalry going on with Tego Calderon, which maybe at some point we can do an episode on that, but... There is there is a lot of tea with these uh, old school reggaeton artists, some of our uh, favorites of all time. And a lot of times we don't even know about it. We just bop to their music and don't even understand that there's a whole ass story. And in some cases, a rivalry that allows for us to <laughs> to have such timeless music. Um, but yeah, that's that on Hector y Tito. Now, moving on to one of my personal favorites. If you listened to last episode, you already know. We seen Iandel. 
They have been regarded as one of the most legendary reggaeton duos of all time. Hence, one of their nicknames, El Duo de la Historia. And the first duo to win a Grammy in 2008 for Best Latin Urban Album, which was Los Extraterrestres. They are most well-known for their hits such as Rakata. Pam Pam. Sexy Movimiento. And most recently, their collaboration with Yengo Flow, Puesta Pal Perreo. Their most recent album together was La Ultima Misión, where they teased this being their last album as a duo. But who really knows? Who knows? Because as we've seen in this episode, some of our favorites are flipping the script and turning to Jesus. So we really don't know what is to come from the two, but, you know, we can be hopeful. Personally, I have always loved Wisini Andel. I gave you guys a spiel on them last episode, but they're timeless. They're amazing. Their shows are incredible. I've seen them twice now, I believe, and... I hope to see them again. I think it's just such a fucking good time. And I love the fact that they continue to deliver and give us the same energy that they always have. But their relationship as a duo has been probably the most up and down of all of them, I could say. They've split up as a duo twice and it's almost like a well understood open relationship. They were both raised in Calle, Puerto Rico, and Yandel was a barber in his neighborhood and had a barbershop. It was actually called Yandel Barbershop. How unique. We seen met Yandel in school, and they began performing as a duo in the late 1990s. They made their album debut in 2000 with Los Reyes del Nuevo Milenio. And if any of you guys want to go take a listen to that album... Let me tell you, their sound has evolved. In 2003, they signed with Machete Music, and uh, this was an entity of Universal Music, and released their second album, Mi Vida, My Life. In 2004, they split for the first time and released their own individual albums, We Seen with El Sobreviviente and Yandel with Quien Contra Mi. Which, if you ask me, it kind of feels like there was quite a bit of tension back there because the titles to their individual albums, they both sound kind of petty, like they are at a back and forth with one another. But in 2005, here's a plot twist for you. They released another album as a duo called Pal Mundo, which became one of their most popular albums that exploded their careers turning them into a mainstream success. And it was probably one of their most profitable albums. Fun fact, this album was on the Billboard Top Album Charts for 64 weeks. 
You know how long a year is? 52 weeks. Anyways, their success did not stop. That same year, we seen Iandel establish their own label called WY Records, which Palmundo was their first album released under that label. They continued to grow in the 2000s, and in 2006, they released Los Vaqueros, an album that featured artists from the WY Records label, establishing their label even more. So regardless of whatever tensions they had in 2004, regardless of how deep it was, it seems like they really put on their adulting hats on and they tapped into the momentum that they were creating for themselves and they just fucking put their heads down and got to work. Uh, They really created an understanding relationship over the years. Um, Because of their open communication, and it seems like this really does back up the other nickname that they have, El Duo Dinamico. Over the years um, after this, they would continue to have different ups and downs and moments where the fans think that they're breaking up and fans start rumors and um, this, that, and the other. But Yandel and Wisin have both publicly stated that they will always be a trademark and they will always work together so i guess loyal to the soil as they say they really are one of the legendary reggaeton icons of the time because they've just been doing it and i appreciate it because it really keeps this history of reggaeton duos alive and uh, I don't know. I think there's some lessons for life that we can learn here. Um, grow with the people you fuck with. And if there's some disagreances, don't let them take you all out all at once. You know, grow with them. I guess something that I always tell myself when I'm trying to understand someone else's point of view is, is it wrong or is it different? Because if it's wrong, then how can we make it right? Is there a way to make it right? Can we be accountable? And if it's just different, well, then how can I adapt to your differences? And how can I grow with your differences? Because um, not that I'm a successful plant dad or anything, but not all plants grow the way you think they're going to grow. You feel me? Um, So I think that's something that they did with this uh, relationship they had going on. They just grew with it the way that it was growing, and they are (laughs) shape-shifting. They are just doing what they got to do to continue to stay relevant and um, give their fans the music that they love, and and I'm here for it. I cannot wait to see where they'll be in two, three, four, five, however many years that they want to keep doing this. Um. But yeah, that is that on Wisini Andel. Please let me know what you guys think about Wisini Andel. Send me your favorite Wisini Andel tracks. Or if this is your first time hearing about them and about their story, tap in. Let me know what you thought. Um, but we're going to get on to the next duo and the final duo. The last duo that I have for this episode is Joel Irandi. Joel and Randy are both Puerto Rican, but Joel was born in Springfield, Massachusetts, believe it or not, and was raised in Cataño, Puerto Rico, and Randy was born and raised on the island in San Juan. 
He was also raised in the church and was in the choir. I don't know if any of you have any of these experiences of being in the church or in the choir or both. I was raised in the church and would definitely be getting my Sunday best on every Sunday. Not by choice. <laughs> um, and I did have some choir, you know, moments, but I was not in the choir as Randy was. Randy was a solo artist at first, and he started out his musical career when he was featured on DJ Dice's mixtape in the house back in 1998. But unfortunately, Randy did not have, you know, he did not have the best of luck in the industry. He did not have any breakout hits. He didn't. He just wasn't doing it. The friendship between Randy and Joel is actually a really interesting one because uh, the friendship started when Randy was um, friends with Joel's little brother from high school. And in the year 2000, Randy was invited to watch a Felix Tito Trinidad boxing fight. Um, one thing led to another and Joel's younger brother eventually ended up telling Joel that Randy was basically interested in collaborating, but he was a little bit intimidated. Joel invited Randy to the studio because he genuinely did believe in him as an artist. And he told him that basically there were some things that he could do to improve a little bit of, you know, um, mejorando la lírica, getting his words right, um, tweaking here, tweaking there. You know, the things that you would really want a mentor to tell you, I feel like is what Joel was telling Randy. Um, all of this mentorship, you could say, led to Joel asking Randy to form a duo with him, inspired by previous duos like Hector y Tito, Wisin y Andel, and even Baby Rasta y Gringo. So you could say that in this time, the two previous duos that we were talking about were already spinning, making music, getting the island warmed up for the duo that is Joel y Randy. They did have a bumpy start because their music was kind of hit or miss, you know? Around 2003, they were noticing that they worked hard, pero como que la música no pegaba, you know what I mean? In the Bay, we'd say it didn't slap. It didn't hit the way we thought it would, you know? In their minds, they had one last attempt at fame, and it was a contest within an album. So basically, the best track wins. The album was called El Draft de Reggaeton, or The Draft of Reggaeton, <laughs> produced by Boy Wonder and Chencho Records. Joel y Randy entered the chat and submitted to the contest with their song, Síguelo Bailando. Unfortunately, it was not giving once again, and they lost to another very well-known duo, Rakimi Kenwai. This was the final straw. At this point, Joel is 23 and Randy is 22, and it just seems like they're kind of thirsty for fame. 
But that's honestly such a young age to quit. Do you remember when you were 23 or when you were 22 and how you thought you knew that you were going to have everything together by 25? I'm pretty sure that that's the kind of mind state that they were in. Um, they were probably expecting to, you know, be well in their uh, in their music bag by the time they were in their late 20s and whatever. They had they probably had a timeline for themselves. But much like our own lives, it always gets better. And it did. It got better for them because uh, I believe it was Joel that was driving around a bucket, a ranfla, a carcacha, whatever you want to call it. Um, but he had a car that was really not all that. It didn't have all the bells and all the whistles. Um, all of a sudden, they find themselves stuck on the side of the road. And I imagine that it's not a long, empty road. It's probably something around the general city of San Juan. But anyways, a car parks nearby them, and it is none other than Elias de Leon, who is a well-known producer in Puerto Rico at the time and owner of White Lion Records. And of course, they do whatever any desperate up-and-coming reggaeton star would do, and they handed him a demo. Good thing they recognize him because I'd be so forgetful. I don't even remember some of the people I went to high school with. Has that ever happened to you? Where someone that you went to high school with, middle school with, elementary school with, perhaps, comes up to you and is like, bro, what's up? How you been? Long time no see. Anyways, um, good thing they recognized him because in those days, we didn't have access to people's pictures, much less their up-to-date pictures. But this was their moment. Elias loved it and wanted them to join his label. He clearly saw their talent and their potential, <laughs> rightfully so, because they had been working so hard. So while this is all happening, Joel and Randy are still signed to Diamond Records, and they had to break their contract in order to go with Elias de Leon, who is, again, a very well-known producer in Puerto Rico at the time. And obviously, they were struggling with Diamond Records. They're driving around in a bucket that's leaving them on the side of the road every now and then. They definitely want to be switching. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've definitely had some jobs before where I'm like, ooh, this other manager just came in and they're telling me this, that, and the other. Like, this sounds really nice. Like, you know, we've all had moments in life where we'd have to shift and pivot and just kind of go where, go where the money's at. And that's kind of what they wanted to do. And so they presented this to Ivan Joy, who is the owner of Diamond Records at the time. And he is obviously pissed. He's losing two artists. He's losing a duo. So, of course, <laughs> he has to get his cut. And so he asks them for $4,000, which is a lot of money at the time for them. I mean, if they had that money, they probably would have invested it in getting a better car, perhaps. Or maybe in their music. I don't know. But he also asks for 10 of their songs, and rumor has it that some of them are unreleased songs. Um, I don't know. I might have to do my own digging and investigation, but um, that's what he asks for, and that's what they give him so that they can break contract and head on over to White Lion Records. After this, things definitely took a turn, but all for the better. 
Joel wanted to find ways of bridging the gap between Puerto Rico and Colombia, and so he started finding ways to collaborate with Colombian artists. He met J Balvin on social media in 2005 and was probably on MySpace. I don't know. Maybe they were top four. <laughs> but um, Joel being Joel, the guy that believes in the underdogs, he noticed that Balvin was at the beginning of his career. And he invited him to a concert that Joel y Randy, alongside with Hector El Fader, were going to be performing at. And Joel's master plan was that everyone will kind of feel his vibe out and it'll be all great. But everyone was kind of against it. And the Puerto Rican artists were kind of holding a little bit of resentment towards him because why would they want to share the stage with Colombians when Perreo is strictly Puerto Rican? So it was a little bit of territory that was being crossed. But luckily for Balvin, everyone was really impressed. And the rest is history for Balvin. Of course, I'm just sharing the highlights and just sharing kind of like the main points. There are definitely other stories and other things that you can learn about these duos. But over the years, Joel and Randy have probably been another duo just like we see Neandel that have stuck by each other through and through. I mean, maybe even more so than we see Neandel, because if you look at their discography, you'll see that most of the music that they have out is between the two of them in collab. Well, not collab albums, but you know what I mean, like a duo album. Um, Randy has a couple of solo albums, but not until 2015 uh, with his first solo album titled Roses and Wine. And then a couple of others that you can look up for yourself. But for the most part, they've created together and they will always do that, it seems like. I've seen them a couple of times and they are just such a show. They are a good ass motherfucking time. I feel like in a way that they're, they're kind of some of the goofiest and some of the funniest uh, reggaeton duos to exist. And I love the... I love the all of a sudden type of friendship that they had that turned into a business relationship. And yeah, they they stay true and true to their uh, old school Perreo vibes in just about all of their songs. This was an episode of Love and Hate, iconic reggaeton duos. And I'm excited to bring you guys another addition to the series soon. Probably not the next episode, but in a future episode. So it'll be a scattered series, like I said earlier. Um, and if you are a artist in the Bay Area or for that matter, anywhere really, and you really want to shine and have the Bay Area listen to you a little bit more, hit me up. Hit me up. Let's collaborate. Let's do something. Let's make a short little segment or a full-on interview let's fucking do something because i'm all about collaborating with the people next to me because that's what's gonna get us to where we want to go i want to leave you all with a little affirmation that you are always knowing what you need and there is no one in the world that is quite like you so ponto granito de arena wherever the fuck you go and be your own competition 
I have really, really learned so much about these duos and I can't wait to learn more about them. If you have a suggestion on what duos you want for the next round of this series, let me know. I'm happy to hear it. But anyways, I'm going to stop talking to you because I need to go talk to myself. Uh, cuídense y portense mal. Bye.